0: Good morning. All right. We are continuing. So I'll get you set for continuing, and then I just want to bring you up on a couple of things. Um, for those of you who do know I, I feel like everyone knows, but I know that's not true we, uh, we are almost at the place where we can say that we own our own building. We are very close. Um, we're waiting still on lawyers. Uh, to confirm that but it doesn't look like we've been given no sense that there was a complication in it except for the fact that they have to find time to read our papers, to write their papers, to photocopy things and to get a thousand people to sign a thousand dis- different sheets of paper. Other than that, we're going forward with the idea that on March 1st we will take possession of a building that is five buildings west of this location. So very cool that it could be very close together and it's, in a, it's an amazing story how God provides and out of nowhere we are being given a gift thats we don't know the actual assessed value but you got to figure it's worth half a million dollars. That's an incredible move of God. And there's not always can you say I have a clear sense that God is at work and I don't know exactly what He's doing and I can't tell you exactly what He's doing because He's God and He's intricate and it's far beyond what we just get. But the starting place is There is this new location, and that's got to impact us in terms of our minds, the way we're going to think, the way that we're going to participate. Things can't just be the same as they've always been because God is at work, and when God is at work, He doesn't care about the building. He cares about you. He cares about the way that your life will change, and not just yours, but the lives of people around us. So this is the exciting thing. We talk about something physical, but the physical relates to us as it will impact the way that we will choose to live, the way that we will be allowed to live now. And that's going to cost us something. We ask you anyways for time, treasure, and talent, but this is going to be an increased focus. There are more opportunities. It will be more clear where your um, participation is valued. And so at the beginning of this process, we wanted to say, God, we have an awareness that even though we're being given a gift of a building, that building is going to cost us plenty. It needs some work. It's not just about to fall down or anything like that, but it needs some work. We need to make it our own. We need to make sure that we have covered some details. So there is money involved. And so as I tell you that, the next thing that I want to tell you immediately to that is whatever you have decided to give, whatever God has guided you to give into one, we want you to continue to do that. But then, because we are trusting that this is not simply a work of our hard effort, squeeze it out, That God is at work amongst us. We want to show that one of the things that we are believing in as we ask for these things for ourselves, that we take special time to say, here's a separate place. Over there is our regular box. And if you want to do your offering, fantastic. Thank you very much. There's envelopes over there, just in that white box over there. We call that one our communication box. So if you have one of our handouts, there's a tear-off section on the side. If you want to communicate to us that you are here or that you want to uh, update your address information or give us your address information or you're looking for prayer, you want to be involved in baptism, something like that, there's a communication part there. Rip that off, put it in that bin as well. But this one, this one is the one that we're setting aside to say, because I know this is going to be expensive, because I know this is going to hurt us, God, I want to take the first step in trusting you and I want to put money in here that is entirely dedicated to something that's happening overseas. In another country, somewhere else, that we will not benefit from in any way. This is our way of saying, God, we trust. We're believing that you're involved in that. So I'm going to leave that up here. And we're encouraging you, over the month of February, if you can find a way that you can cut, trim, skimp, sacrifice, $10. We're asking for 10 If 10 is too easy for you, then you can set your own amount. But 10 over the course of a month, if every person can, can do that, We'll have something that is substantial that we can send that says as a collective message from us, God, we believe that you are involved in this. You have started. You will continue. And we want to be involved in your work. Not just your work towards me, but your work somewhere else. We partner with other places, and so this is where money will be going to. So again, that's my encouragement to you. $10 over the course of um, February. that You can just say, yeah, I got it. I can do that. So as you leave today, think about that. There's the offering over here for regular stuff, but this stuff is the, uh, it's specific. This is an act of faith, a step out. Every person, and I'm encouraging you because I got three kids in this too, I'm encouraging them to say that they're involved. This is not something that an adult pays a bill for. This is something that people choose to participate in because they want to see God at work. And I am firmly convinced that when we offer in this way, God doesn't ever leave us hanging. He will show up, and he will bless you in a way, I can't tell you what it looks like. I guarantee that it's not going to be a car. You're not going to get a new house. But something will happen, that God will be involved, and that something, you will have a greater sense of connection because of your increased faith in him. And that's what we're trying to do. So we're not trying to empty your bank accounts. We're trying to give you the chance to let God work in your life. So as we get started, um, I think all the handouts are actually handed out. We've got some notes on the screen up here that you can follow along with our uh, um, expertly Valentine's themed screen today. Uh, if you have your web enabled smartphone, you can also follow along in the free app. It's called Uversion. And if you look under Uversion in the bottom right corner, there's a tab called More. You click on More, and there's a live events section. Search for Into One, and you can follow along on your phone as well. Um, the notes are there, the scripture references are there. And the reason I like to do that is because we take our phones all kinds of places. We don't normally think of them as Bibles. We think of them as Facebook. We think of them as Twitter, um, Pinterest, Instagram, something else. But you, when you have this idea, your phone can carry the Bible in a bunch of different translations, including an audio version that you just push play, and it will play for you. It's got reading plans. I want you to know that you can have that with you wherever. And if you've got three minutes... That's three minutes that you could use that you weren't using before. If you've got 15, then take 15. But know that this thing that you carry with you for all kinds of reasons also can help you develop in your spiritual journey. And that's what we're really about. We're trying to set you free from the things that hold you back and hold you down. We're trying to release you to experience the grace, the goodness of God. And to do that, we're asking that our faith would grow. That's our plan as we go forward. And so we have our five faith catalysts that we are all about trying to stimulate opportunities for faith to grow if you want to read more about those are on one of the cards over here but for now join me we're uh jumping in midway um to a series called the gifted we've been studying spiritual gifts not as theory but as a practical handbook we're looking at the bible in the sense as a practical handbook a field guide and how we might be involved in the work of god so as we get ready for that pray with me if you will kind father thank you for your grace Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for all the things that you have done for us. We long to take hold of them in greater measure, to step forward with greater boldness, filled with love, acting in kindness, displaying the Spirit in our lives. And you have given us gifts to help us build up this ministry. And we want to know what those are. We want to participate with you. We partner with you As we go forward. So speak to us today. And then prepare us later on. That you might speak through us as well. Speak to me now. Speak through me later. I'm anticipating your work happening. Through me somehow. Today. For the same thing. I pray for my friends here as well. Thanks Jesus. Amen. Well we're all people. You know that. That's the way we start together. That's something that we have in common. We might not be entirely the same. But we're similar. We're people. We share one Spirit. We have one faith that bonds us together. And then God decided, not because of personality, not because He liked some people more, but because of His kingdom agenda, that He wanted to begin making us all different flavors. We are not all the same, we are individual. And He blessed us in this way because He wanted diversity didn't want us to be all the same. He didn't want us all to look the same, to sound the same, to dress the same. He wanted diversity in how we would behave for one reason. Can you think of one good reason why God might want diversity amongst us? We reach more people with different flavors. We connect with people in different ways. Not everyone likes the same stuff because they're already... Diverse. They're already special. They're already the way that they are. And I don't connect with everybody. And you don't. But together, together we can make an incredible difference. And I like to think of the picture, as we think about spiritual gifts, that, that God the Father is somehow upstairs looking with His face pressed up against the glass, looking in, looking down, saying, I love all of my different flavors. I love the way that they look different and they behave different, that they are full of creativity. And that's the heartbeat I want you to think of when we talk about spiritual gifts. That he's looking down and saying, I made them this way and I am delighted by the way that they're different. I want more of that to come out. We have been blessed so that we would be a blessing to all nations. It happens um, scripturally. You'll see this line repeated again and again and again what you have been given is for you but not you alone blessed to be a blessing to all nations it's not just local it's not just your family. it's not just your friends it's everyone that's god's heart everyone is who i want to love so as a community when we start to realize that diversity is the very foundation of god's view of us it's central it makes a difference to how we will go forward we begin to start appreciating our uniqueness and stop apologizing for our uniqueness stop saying i wish i was more like if only i could do the important things and our togetherness it rises it, that's our our being made into oneness we start to see what that looks like as it grows in us much more of that is what's going on in our local church our church but in the churches that are around us as well and we stand together with them We're not in opposition with them because they have a different building. They're a different flavor. They're one of God's beloved flavors that He's so happy with. And so we pray blessing on them as well that the Spirit of God would be alive and at work in this church. And by church, I mean you, the people. And not just here, but there also. That God would be at work. We pray blessing on these brothers and sisters because together we stand as the display, as the welcome call, of God. So spiritual gifts, uh, it's a rooting in who we are, and it's an understanding diversity in God's agenda. The local church, into one community church, it's not on its own mission. We are joining a divine mission. We will have a way that we say it, a a language that we use, and and a specific target for us, but really the point is we're part of a large mission that we don't decide. It's what God has already put in motion, and it's what God blesses. There's no point in doing something that God is not at work in. It's just a waste of time. And so we try to listen. We try to say that Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. He's in charge. Jesus is Lord. Is, is not just a summary of what they used to say in the New Testament, but it's a way that we want to live, a way that we try to listen. What would you have us do? I know what other people do. What would you have me do? Where do I fit in this? And so uh, we're joining that divine mission, the Father, and the son the father and the son sent the spirit we are joining this trinitarian mission to see the world redeemed reconciled back to what it once was back in eden into one has no agenda except jesus's agenda we're trying to get a good grasp what that is but you know what we're people too so we make mistakes and that means we're going to have to correct along the way we're going to do a little bit and we're going to come back over a little bit but we're going to try to keep listening to what Jesus is saying to us. This is how He's calling us forward. Two weeks ago, we started to uh, to talk specifically about some gifts. We talked about um, a group that we're calling the love gifts, and we looked at administration, or it's sometimes known as guidance. We looked at helps, which is also sometimes known as serving. We looked at mercy, also sometimes known as compassion, and we looked at giving. Giving not just as we are all supposed to be called to give, we're all called to be generous, but there are some people who just have a way to take it over the top, a supernatural ability to do what God is calling them to do through generous giving. And that time, we, we noticed that God was nudging some of us, that we were getting hints. We were saying, I, I kind of recognize myself, that, that sounds like my identity, I, I, I hear that. And we, and we became aware that we were supposed to help if those weren't our gifts, or if they were, we're together supposed to help identify gifts in others. So we listen to all of them saying, is that someone around me? Because one of the missions for the body of us is to identify in somebody else their gifts. We help them figure out what's going on there. So some of us heard things that we think might be directing us. We say, that's absolutely me, or that mm, kind of sounds like me. It's something that I'm willing to pursue going forward that might be my gift. I'm going to try and watch more closely. I'm trying to listen more closely. God, point this out clearly to me. Then, we as a church, we prayed for those people a blessing and a commissioning. We stand together in this. It's not about pride. It's not, this is what I do. It's about identifying and then submitting ourselves to each other to work out the plan of God. That's what we're trying to do. And so, that's what we're going to do in the weeks coming forward too we're gonna identify a couple of gifts we're gonna see if that resonates with you and if that does we're not saying that's a sign sealed delivered we're not giving you a certificate but we're saying we're gonna listen we're gonna watch for that But to that end we're gonna pray a blessing on you we're gonna pray a commissioning on you that you would be released to do what you've been called to do so we're not really interested in the theory of spiritual gifts except as the theory informs the practice it is not about simply a mental project It is about putting this into action, being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, using the gifts that we have been given to build up the body. All right? My heartbeat on this is that I want each of you to be aided and affirmed in your gifting and in your ministry. It is part of your identity, and the longer you don't embrace it, the more uncomfortable you feel. You sense the lack of something, but you can't put your finger on it. Things are just not right between you and God. It's just not what it could be. And so we want to help you move in that way. We want your faith to develop. And this is one of the ways that it develops. So for ease of reference, we've divided the spiritual groups up into three different categories. These are not divine. This is just an organizational kind of thing. So there's the love gifts. The love gifts demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. There's power gifts. They demonstrate the power the presence, and the reality of God. And then there's some word gifts. They clarify the nature, the actions, and the purposes of God. So those are the three types of gifts, and we started with love gifts last time. So before we dive in on specific gifts today, just again, a couple of questions that come up as we go along. Can I have more than one spiritual gift? Yes. All right? Every believer, every Christian, everyone who submitted themselves to the Lordship of Christ, everyone who said, I want you to be in charge. Forgive me of my sins. You come in. You're the one who's in charge now. Everyone who's born by the Spirit, born again. So many different ways we say this stuff. Everyone who's been baptized by the Spirit has at least one spiritual gift. But I'd like to put the at least. We'll underline that. Many people are going to have one. That's what you do. You're awesome. You're fantastic. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you worse. These are just reality. Some other people are going to have a gift mix. You know, it's kind of like your quiver. You've got different gifts that come out and what you'll find is that you almost always have a dominant gift and then a subordinate gift. Something that's more, it comes out more frequently. It's more strong. It's more pronounced. Something else that might support that gift can live underneath. You'll also find that gifts can cross lines. That means you can have a love gift and a word gift and a power gift. You don't have to all be in one category. So there's an openness to what happens here. That's what we're really trying to say. Uh, The next thing is, and I think this is the way, we won't ask for the hands to come up on this one because I think it's the reality of where most of us actually are. But we don't really want to say it because we feel like there's going to be a judgment. So let me tell you up front, there's no judgment. We assume a level of ignorance, but we also assume the desire for earnest pursuit. So when I say, what if I'm unsure about my gift? I don't want you to say, well, I I shouldn't say that. I've been a Christian for 45 years and I have no idea. Your past doesn't matter in this case. Your present matters. Your future matters. We will learn from that and we will together be in earnest pursuit of Jesus in as many different ways as we can find. But this will be one of them. First, if you don't know, Talk to about God. Talk to God about it. He knows, right? He already knows what you've got. And he wants you to know. It's not supposed to be a secret, but it is something that needs to be discovered. And it's discovered through pursuit, through relationship. As we grow in relationship to God and relationship to each other and we serve and we minister, it shows up, okay? Second, surrender your dreams and agendas for that gift. Surrender the movie script, the comic book, spiritual gift, fantasy novel that you're writing about how you will walk on the scene and your hands will glow and everyone will follow. Surrender those things. Your gift will be used in the way that God has directed for your gift to be used. And it's to bring glory to Him, not glory to you. That doesn't mean that you won't be recognized along the way. It just means that we need to learn the character that focuses these things always back towards God as well. Surrender your notions of what it's going to look like. Third, as you serve, and there's, the, there's a key part there, not if, as. As you serve in the church, in the community of faith, over time, the body will start to affirm gifts in you. If that doesn't mean one moment in time. We have to see it. It doesn't happen immediately. It takes time for these things. And you can find out they say, not so much, or Yeah, you might want to think about that. So the the not so much is a key one. Because some people will tell you, this is my gift. And I will exercise this gift for you or on you. And the body is crying back, that's not your gift. And you're saying, yes, it is. Listen to the body. If you're not building the body up with your gift, maybe it's not your gift. It's not something that we force on other people. Okay? Fourth, when your gift is used properly, it should be producing in you joy. You should get a release from actually doing this. The idea of service in the church is not to make you miserable, it's to release you. So is there anyone here today who has decided that they have too much joy? I'm, I'm over the top, I need, I need less, I need to find a way to get my joy factored down. Is there anyone who's having that problem, that affliction? Abby? Yeah. Well, we'll try to work with her. Is there anyone here today who is trying to avoid serving? Yeah, that's a whole different thing, right? We don't don't even want to talk about that one. Um, Of course not. But I, I would. I just I totally wish I had more time. Because then if I had more time, then I could. But... So I can. Remember, you manage your schedule. You manage your values. Is your schedule subject to the Lordship of Christ? How many time fillers, activities, hobbies, sports, classes and clubs do you and your kids really need to be in? You want them and you to have a full life experience, right? That's why you've chosen these things. But think about it. Do you really think, do you honestly believe that serving God, working in His mission, receiving joy from doing what you've been called to do is more or less important than those other things that you're currently booked with? It's a question of faith, right? You don't want to miss out. That's why we're doing those things. Do you think that God wants you to miss out on a full experience of life? What do we define as the full experience of life? So there's a question there for you to work through. Today we start part one of the word gifts. The first gift we're going to look at is teaching. Teaching is a spiritual gift that clarifies God's truth. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and he talks about it in the book of Ephesians. And that's where we're going to go. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you want to look that up. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, The pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Again, even if this is not your gift, keep paying attention because you need to help identify this in other people. All these gifts are things that are around us. God says He's given them to us. We have to watch for them, we have to nurture them, we have to encourage them in other people. Okay, so we are all participating here. Why does Christ give these gifts? So that the body of Christ may be built up. That's why we do it. That's what we're about. That's the focus. Community gifts equip the whole community to know God personally, to obey God personally, to be encouraged, and to help us to be sustained both individually and corporately. We in North America have been trained to believe in our personal faith i have a personal relationship with god yes you absolutely do what we are ignorant of and unwilling to submit to is that we have a relationship where god relates to us as a body he relates to us as a group did it all the time to israel right that's the way he's chosen to do he will relate to you personally but your personal commitment to jesus is also part of a corporate connection to jesus you're not just on your own and you don't just get to say what's good for me that should be good for everyone else we are in this together a person who has the gift of teaching is one who has a supernatural ability to clearly and accurately communicate the truths of the Bible in a way that people want to learn and want to obey many people teach you may actually be a teacher that might be your career that might be your training many have natural Um, abilities you have been trained you have learned how to teach and how to teach better you're good communicators you are good at understanding what needs to happen but the spiritual gift of teaching is different than the natural or learned ability to teach this gift not only communicates biblical truth but it leads people to life change to obedience it supports the lordship of jesus And it deals more with motive, worldview. Um, It's one key vehicle to bring about spiritual life. Spiritual life is not given when you teach math. Certainly not when I learned math. Um, It can be a great act of teaching. What is happening there is still a tremendously valid, valuable, important thing to our society. We need teachers, all kinds of them. But teaching math doesn't bring about spiritual life. This is God-empowered communication. So it's not demeaning what a teacher does. It's differentiating role. We're never talking about importance, right? Sometimes we believe that spiritual gifts are about importance. They never are. They're about role. And the role that we have is given by God for the purposes of God to build up the church. So it's not about saying, well, you know what I am. I'm better than you. It's not. God did it. He's in charge of it. Your job is to not mess it up. Your job is to be in charge and working on your character, okay? The gift of teaching is the living word, Jesus, using the written word, the Bible, under the power of the Spirit of Christ to bring about the will of God the Father to earth. That's the mission that was started back in Genesis. That's what it's always been about, that same sort of path from here to here to here, working together in mutual submission. That's not what typically happens in a lecture hall. It's an intellectual and powerful experience. Uh, it's always Bible-centered. It's always Jesus-focused, and it brings about the reign and the rule of God in hearts, minds, and even in society. That's why the description of the very first church looks like this. If you look at Acts chapter 2, 42, I'm sure like, lots of people have heard these verses, but here was the things that they were focusing on at the beginning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's what they were about. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, etc. Spirits of the gift of spirits. Symptoms of the gift of teaching. See if this resonates with you or this sounds like it might be you or someone you know. People around you will understand truth as a result of what you have to say about the Bible. Things will become clear. You will have a tremendous drive within you to understand truth. And you will look for ways to explain this to others all the time. It just keeps coming up. You watch a movie, you read a book, you saw a thing. This makes me think of. You will be able to discipline yourself to study the Word of God. You will find yourself overly concerned about meaning. And you will never be satisfied with unclear explanations about the Bible. You want more. You want truth. You want that to be revealed. You will desire to learn new communication skills or methods and techniques so that you can do this better and with increased efficiency and expertise you will see people become more like Jesus in their actions and their thinking as a result of you helping them to understand what the Bible teaches. People will know God in ever-increasing depth because of your ability to practically explain biblical truth in terms of the context that they're living in. Does that sound like you? You getting a connection to that point? This is one of God's amazing gifts. Not like the other ones are not amazing gifts. But this is one... Um, we learned a couple of weeks ago that everyone will be held accountable for the gift that they've been given and how they've used it. But this one is a little bit different. gift of teaching stands out. It's specifically mentioned in a different way. And so it's a little exciting and it's a little scary. This is one of the only gifts in Scripture where there is actual extra information about what happens with it and your accountability. And so James, who was Jesus' half-brother, wrote it this way in James chapter 3. He said, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's talking to Christians. This is not talking about heaven and hell, but there is a grand responsibility in teaching. Because teaching forms thinking. Thinking forms worldview. Worldview forms action. Action forms character. Character displays life change or the lack of it in the world we live. If you have the gift of teaching, you need to be aware that you are called to a higher level of accountability. This is not about importance. Again, it's about role. But God gives this amongst his other gifts. We always need the character to back it up. If this is you, bless you. We need you. You are incredibly important to the the church of Jesus Christ. You are incredibly important to the body. Next gift, exhortation. That's not a word that we use a whole lot. Some people would call it the gift of encouragement. Exhortation just always feels like there's a little bit more of a step forward. Now, I kind of encourage, but I'm going to exhort. Romans 12:8. If it's to, he's talking in the list of gifts. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. Unlike teaching, which clarifies truth, encouragement focuses on applying biblical truth. At its heart, it wants to help other people's help other people live out their faith. Practically, the gift of exhortation is the capacity to urge people in terms of action to apply the Bible. Not to think about it, but to do it. To encourage people generally with biblical truth. Or to comfort people with the application of truth to their needs. So I think when I think of exhortation, I think there's at least three different ways that it kind of shows itself. So I wanted to do first, it shows itself as confrontation. To confront people but in a really gentle way. Many people can confront. Somebody with the gift of exhortation can confront and yet somehow build you up at the same time. You feel better. You feel encouraged as a person and as a believer. You were called forward. You were called, but you weren't called out. You weren't made a spectacle of. You weren't intimidated. You weren't beaten down. You were challenged to come out, and you rose to that challenge. You felt called to more, without being told that you were less. That's a gift. We need that one. Second, it's encouragement. These are the people that they're around you. They appreciate you. They thank you for things. They tell you again what what kind of a difference you make in their life. Then then they do it again, and, and then they're going to do it again. And they're probably going to do it in a different way as well. They will respond to you. They call you. They text you. They email you regularly. They. They look at you in the face and they say, I really appreciate it when you, you make a difference here. To me, that was incredible. Thank you. Those are the kind of people They bring out the best of you. They are PEPs, all right? These are performance enhancing people and they are entirely street legal and they are in desperate demand. We need these people because there is so much that brings us down, that crushes us. These people bring us up. The third thing they do is they bring comfort. Comfort to do all the stuff above, but especially when the day has gone gray. They bring some color back into a darkening world. Somehow, the clouds clear when these people are around. And when darkness is heavy, and it feels like I can't go on, these people... Shine the light of Jesus in a way that hope is found. Hope is clutched. It's not just that it brushed by you. There is hope, and you can go on. These people have the supernatural ability to come alongside to help other people. They strengthen the weak. They reassure the wayward. They buttress the buffeted. They steady the faltering. They console the troubled. They encourage the halting. Just as the Holy Spirit is an instrument of help, so the Spirit uses these people to build us up. So check, do you have any of these symptoms? People respond to what you have to say. You frequently find yourself giving advice to others, but not in a nagging way. You often find that you have a word to share with someone in need, and that person typically receives it as a comforting word from God people frequently confide their inner thoughts to you unexpectedly because they have a sense about you and they are comforted by the process people like to be around you just because you often cheer them up they don't they might not even be able to tell you why just your attitude your demeanor has an influence a supernatural influence on them you often have a sense of urgency to get something done and you're willing to communicate that urgency to others you love to share with anyone a truth from a passage of scripture that means something to you it just comes out you're not satisfied with a superficial acceptance of truth you want people to see that truth worked out coming to life in their lives. you enjoy sharing stories about God's involvement in your life because you know that God always uses story to encourage other people this gift can be used by teachers, but it also has a tendency to be in smaller groups, more one-on-one, two-on-one kinds of things. It can be either, it can be both, it can come together. There's a good story about this gift, Acts 4, and it's, it's a longer story, we're not going to look at the whole story, but I'll reference it because I know you wanted to read the rest of it later today, which is a good choice on your part. Uh, 4.36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which just so happens to mean son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. If you know his life, you have, you, you'll remember this. If you don't, well, then you've got to read the rest of the story, don't you? You've got homework. Um, this guy was one of the first people who hung out and mentored Paul. Paul, when he used to have been Saul, so if you don't know the story, Saul was a guy who got on this thing that Christians were bad, and he wanted to kill them all. And so he went to oppress them, take them out of work and stuff like that, and so they didn't like him justifiably. They were scared of him. But Barnabas was there right at the beginning to sort of encourage and to help Paul. He changed his name, or God changed his name from Saul to Paul when he had his transformation. And he started to think. And, and, and Barnabas is the one who said, come with me, Paul. Come with me. I want you to meet somebody. And he, and he took him over to the leaders of the, of the New Testament church, those guys in Jerusalem who hung out there. And he says, hey, guys, I got somebody I want you to meet. His name is Paul, but you might know him as Saul. And they all went, what? Are you crazy? Why would you ever do this? And Barnabas says, relax, fellas. He's Paul now. He's different. And he told stories about what had been going on in Paul's life. Stories of transformation. Stories that counteracted the ugliness that they had heard with a beauty that was new. And this process, we have the, the thought in our head that there was the day that Paul sort of walks into Damascus, he gets blinded, he has his epiphany, his moment with Jesus, he changes his name God changes his name to Paul, and then it all happens, right? That's the way we feel. But the process from Damascus to Paul going out and making a difference, it's a long time. Do you know that? Do you have any idea how many years are in between this and this? Fourteen. Fourteen years. Barnabas is with Paul, encouraging him, retraining him, taking that brain and making it think in a new way. 14 years, this guy encouraged and built up this oppressor, killer, transformed him. And he didn't have pride in the whole process because when they go on their first missionary journey, finally Barnabas, let's go, man. Let's take this show on the road. Let's tell some other people. And so they come on. And the, the New Testament records it as the first missionary journey was Barnabas and Paul. That's who went out on this mission. There is no reference ever to Barnabas putting himself forward. And you get this sense as the story goes on. There's lots of complications to it. But the second missionary journey, and from then on, the story is all Paul and Barnabas. They changed roles, and he was totally okay with that. But he invested in that, and that made a difference. Without Barnabas, this side note guy, we wouldn't have 70% of the New Testament. We wouldn't have had those churches that were being made and ground being broken in new places. The church would have been locked into this idea that it was Jews only. Gentiles were still problematic. Paul was one of the first people to bring that along. He was there with Barnabas. Barnabas was there in Antioch the first time that we were called Christians. He was the one who said, Gentiles, come on in. I'm all about this. I'm going to help you move. He made an incredible difference in there. Ah, If this is your gift, if this is where you say, yeah, that's what I love to do, we need you. The church of Jesus Christ needs you desperately. We need people to stand up and do what they've been called to do. And this is one of those places that will make an incredible difference. Last one is apostleship. This one's a little bit tougher. There's two types of apostles mentioned in the New Testament. There's an office and there's a gift. Why couldn't they use different terms? I don't know. You ask whatever you want. Why? Why does it matter? This is what they did. Um, it does bring a little bit of confusion, so I want to try and help you clarify this. Um, you might need to go through this again, which is sort of the way that we've been saying along the way. We don't want you to sort of have one week, so if you've missed a week, please come back and get the whole package. We believe this is going to be foundational to us going forward as a church. We need to be on the same page. We're trying to have the same kind of language, so please do that. Follow the podcast if you can to ca- connect the office of apostleship is like elder or deacon it's a special office that jesus gave to only some of those people and then that was the end of it the gift of apostleship still does exist and that's why this might be a little bit tricky it might take more than one go through to get this the office of apostle had the same authority as an old testament prophet these men could speak and write the scriptures it was the 12 apostles plus paul they had been with jesus since the beginning They had a personal call from Jesus. They were witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. And they laid down the foundation of the teachings that we still continue to teach to this day in those churches or many of those churches and in this church here. You get this sense from Acts chapter 1, again, starting at verse 13. Um, Here's the quick story of what's going on here. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew. James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. Then Peter got up and he says, Judas Iscariot has committed suicide and we need to replace him. Jump down to verse 21. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living amongst us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Those are the things that are essential. Those are the criteria. If you want to be a capital A apostle, that's what you have to have. But throughout the New Testament, uh, the epistles, you're going to hear others who are called apostles, small a, apostles. They don't match the, the criteria that Peter laid out. They have the gift of apostleship. And people like Timothy, Silas, Barnabas, Andronicus, Junius, those are all examples of men and women who have this gift. So the office is complete, but the gift is still alive. So what's about this very important gift? Many people describe this as the way of uh, somebody who has the ability to start a new ministry, a, a cross-cultural kind of thing, a, a church planting kind of thing, something about a parachurch ministry that it brings it about. The gift of apostleship refers to a special ability for a leader to, uh, with, with authority to, to just walk in and create a new ministry structure and then appoint new leaders. It's about pioneering effort. If you have this kind of gift, then you are going to have a special kind of authority that comes from God. Not a belt that you wear, but a presence, a sense about you. Not because you told people that, but because they tell you that. By the way they respond to you. Um, You go to places and people choose to give you authority there. They recognize it. You can operate in your own culture or in a different one. Much of the time it's associated with ministries because that's where there's a lot of pioneering kinds of things that happen. But here's a slightly different description. The gift of apostles is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Jesus, which enables them to assume and exercise authority over a general leadership of a number of different churches in spiritual matters, spontaneously recognized and appreciated by those churches. People with the gift of apostleship are not on staff at those churches. They might not even belong to the same denomination, and yet when they show up, people listen their input is welcome and they seem to have an almost spontaneous authority welcome recognized and appreciated it, rooted in the idea of the unusual authority being sent or commissioned by Jesus and not being referred. so see if these symptoms are like you uh, you have a strong sense of a call by God to establish a new work there's a strong confirmation on the part of the leadership of your local church a forceful personality that can trust God to do what is necessary in unusual ways so that works can be founded. A personality that deeply understands the nature and purposes of church. You have people who are attracted to your leadership. You can sense what God wants to do and you're not afraid to try anything. You have a drive within you that cannot be satisfied apart from seeing people who don't know Jesus being enfolded into that community. You have an unnatural respect or authority to speak or to influence other churches, other Christian leaders or other organizations then you don't have any technical, formal influence there. Does that sound like you? Is that a position that, that, that resonates? This is what I do. This is what I'm about. Again, we want to publicly affirm and commission all those who are identifying their gifts. The proof is not in your identification. The proof is in the practice. It must be delivered. But we will start at this end and say, going forward, we will pray with you on this. We want to call you forward to aid you in your discovery but to um, provide assurance and affirmation so if you were listening today <laughs> and you just thought wow that does sound like me then we want to talk specifically to you this morning if you believe that, that these might be, that this might be your place teaching exhortation or apostleship in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand and I know that feels a little bit freaky and a little bit weird because you feel like I'm being vain or whatever. This is a gift that God gave you. And if this is what you're sensing, then we want to affirm that and we want to stand with you. But not everyone was here the last time either. So last time we talked about love gifts and we looked at, um, oh, I'm blanking, helps, administration, mercy, giving. If, if, if one of those sounded like that's you and you weren't able to be here last time, then we're going to ask you to stand at the same time because we don't want you to be missed. We don't want that affirmation, that blessing to be missed for you. We're going to ask that you would stand as well. So what we're going to do is just ask you to stand up. We're going to not ask you any questions. Just stand. We'll pray a blessing on you. We'll ask the church around you to pray with us that this would be their place. Okay? Don't fake it. This is the, this is the thing. You're not, you're not tricking anybody. We're not saying that you've got it. Remember, no certificates today. We're just praying for discovery. All right? So if you have a sense that you are hearing teaching, exhortation, apostleship. If that's you, please stand. If you're hearing administration, helps, mercy, or giving, please stand. All right. Beautiful. All right, into one. I need the rest of you to stand with these folks. If you're visiting with us, you, you can stand or sit, your choice. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray. So join me in that, please. Jesus, thank you for your word. It reveals, it teaches, it quickens, it convicts. We appreciate all those different places. Thank you for distributing your gifts in our midst. Thanks for giving, up the, giving us the gifts of teaching, apostleship, exhortation. Thank you for administration, helps, mercy, and giving. Thanks also for the blessing that we have in receiving these people who have these gifts, we are better because of them and we thank you again. But God, we ask that you would give us the character that we need to live with this mantle, this weight of responsibility. Correct our spirit to that of mutual submission. We need the ability and the desire to, dis- to uh, serve others. May the power of Christ be released upon these standings. May this again be beyond all that we can ask or even imagine because we think so short-sighted. God, I pray that you would honor these with the use of their gift. Pray that you would help them with the character as they develop that. We pray that you would use these gifts. We pray that you would give them pure motives for the use of these gifts. Fill each with your spirit. Give them opportunities to use their gifts and a willing spirit to use them. God, we pray that you would release them to serve. And as they do that, God, I pray your blessing upon them, that you would bless them richly in in the ways that they can sense and the ways that you are just a presence about them that is for good. Empower them to do more than they think they can, to accomplish that which is beyond human means. We ask for a supernatural way to make a difference in this church, but in this community as well. Release them, I pray. Use them for your glory. And with this power given to each one here, Jesus, I pray that you would build your church called Into One. I pray that you would build your church in Stouffville, in York Region, in Ontario, in Canada. Lord Jesus, be at work throughout the world and continue to build your church in all places. As we pray these things for Into One and for the area around us, God, we also pray for our partner church, our uh, our friends, Derek and Bonnie Burnett, who are... um, an all-nations church in Phuket, Thailand. God, we pray your blessing upon them and upon their church that the giftedness that you have displayed there would also rise up and come forward as they lead and serve in this international place. May you remind us all that you are the God of the world, not the God of the right here. You see it all and you love all. We look forward to watching what you do in our midst and to tell each other stories of your great faithfulness and love. Be glorified in our midst, be lifted up for you, Jesus, our Lord of all. Grow your church, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, "Amen. Thank you, you maybe see. And God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever and ever. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Hey, thanks for being with us again today. Appreciate that. We appreciate it because it's better when you're here. It's something we say, but it's something that's true. It's not the same when you're not here. And so we were better today because of you. The more we connect, I believe the better that it gets. The more that God is able to work in me, the more that He's able to work in you. So thanks for being part of that. We appreciate that.